A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Welcome to A Mucky Business with me, Tim Farron. I'm a member of Parliament and I am a Christian. This is the show where I speak to a Christian politician about their faith and their life, and we look at the week's politics through Christian eyes. Many Christians see politics as a mucky business, but I think we should pray about it and take a keen interest. Today on the show, I'll be speaking to Ian Blackford, the leader of the Scottish National Party in Westminster. I'll be asking him about his Christian faith, how he got involved in politics, and how to hold your hopes for political change in balance with your Christian faith. And before we speak to Ian, Cara Bentley has a roundup of some of the news this week. Well, we've had the vaccine rollout get underway with over two million people receiving their first dose, including the former Speaker of the House of Commons, Betty Ruthroyd, who is 91. Thousands of over 80s have gone to a football stadium or a conference centre and received the jab. And the government is hoping to immunise everyone in their top priority group by the 15th of February. But the government has also raised the bar in terms of the compliance it is asking for from the public. So we've seen women surrounded by police on a walk, Boris Johnson criticised for cycling too far, and I'm sure plenty more to come in England and Wales where there isn't a boundary for exercise. And the messaging has become a bit more like a a disappointed parent kind of saying, I thought you'd be back by 10. You're grounded or you're not going out dressed like that. And the police are putting more of an emphasis on enforcement. But Of course, there is a reason for that rhetoric, and that's because we are said to be entering the worst few weeks for the NHS during this whole pandemic. And that's a fairly scary prospect, even if we do have a vaccine. So there's been talk of restrictions tightening until a reasonable number of people are vaccinated. But as well as that, it is President Trump's final few days in the White House. He's overwatering the plants and hiding the Wi-Fi hub, but Democrats are also trying to impeach him and charge him with incitement of insurrection for stirring up the crowd at his rally, which led to them storming the Capitol building where Joe Biden's victory was being formalised. Tim, what did you make of all those scenes of people rioting at the Capitol? Well, in one sense, it was you know, comical, uh, some of it. The guy in that weird Jim Iroquois hat uh, and all those other people who were stereotypes for many of us in the UK as to what certain Americans are like. Please forgive us for having these stereotypes in our hearts. Uh, but in, in another sense, it was terrifying. Terrifying that people with weapons managed to break into the seat of democracy in uh, a hugely stable, up until now, Western democracy. And I know there's lots of people who will have different opinions on whether Donald Trump has been good, bad, or indifferent. You probably don't need to guess too hard as to work out which side I am on. But I think certainly inciting people to take up arms and to uh, seek to overturn um, the democracy of the country that they claim to love is something which is beyond the pale, whatever your political views. There'll be people, however, who feel that Donald Trump was a a very significant, important person they supported and they will be heartbroken or indeed thoroughly angered at Trump's removal from office by the voters. And there'll be others who think that somehow this is some great new liberal dawn and everything will be wonderful from now on and are dancing a permanent jig at the election of Biden and Harris. And I just want to reflect from a Christian point of view on something that occurred to me a few years ago whilst I was listening to a series of sermons on Revelation at my own church in Kendall. 
And it occurred to me there's so much reference in the book of the Revelation to Babylon. Now, of course, the first people who heard those uh, those words from Revelation and read them would have been new, young, persecuted Christians in the first century. And to them, Babylon had been rubble for hundreds and hundreds of years. So why mention it? Well, I suspect it's because they were persecuted by a very real and live, terrifying Roman Empire. And the message to those Christians then and Christians today is that that empire, too, would end up in rubble. And so it is. Um, you know, we have Hadrian's Wall in Cumbria. I'm very proud that it's a World Heritage Site, but it isn't now uh, the edge of an empire. What we have, perhaps, is a clear understanding through God's word that every human empire, uh, whether it be Trump's America, Biden's America, Brexit Britain, the European Union, an independent Scotland or the United Kingdom, these are all temporary human constructs under the hand of God. And we should neither panic at their destruction, nor should we put all our hopes in them. The danger in politics, whatever your political opinion, is that you end up, if you lose, being crushed, and if you win, being disappointed, because you will never find fulfillment in a political movement, however important politics may be. So I guess my message to all of us out there uh, thinking about America and the appalling scenes last week and the change in uh, presidents in the coming days, that all human empires are temporary. All human governments are temporary. We shouldn't panic. We should treat them with respect. And we should remember there is one kingdom that will never end. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Well, my guest this week is the Right Honourable Ian Blackford, who is the leader of the Scottish National Party at Westminster and the Member of Parliament for the glorious constituency of Ross Sky and Lacaba. Welcome, Ian. Good morning, Tim. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's great to have you on. And of course, this programme is it's called A Mucky Business. It really is based upon uh, a conversation I had, at least the title is, with a uh, an 18-year-old lad when I was an 18-year-old lad, um, a, a new Christian, certainly I was, uh, university in Newcastle, and he knew I was involved in politics. And he said, you know, quite censoriously, he said, Tim, you know, you're a Christian. Should you be involved with politics? It's a mucky business. It's always stuck with me that as a as a phrase and as a bit of a challenge. But I wanted to get a sense from you, Ian, as a as a as a prominent Christian, as a leader of your party in in Westminster. Tell me if you could perhaps in a few words, really, how you came to become a Christian and then perhaps also how you got involved in politics. And they may or may not have anything automatically to do with each other in the first instance. But I'll, I'll let you explain. Yeah, well, I think like a lot of people of, of, of my generation, um, we, we, we grew up in, in Christian families. It was the norm. And so you went to Sunday school as a, as a young child and uh, you would progress from that one to church and so on. So it's always been with me. And often you hear stories about people that have been born again and, 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 and so on. And, and of course, that's not part of my story. Um, I've always, as long as I can remember, I've been a Christian. What's contained in the in the Bible, um, the gospel is, is, is very, very important. Um, so I, I suppose in some senses, I, I, I look, maybe I look at one other people that have been born again with a sense of bewilderment because I've never gone on that journey. It's it's second nature, it's part of your DNA, it's part of who you are. I have, as as, as you know, I've, I've been on a bit of a journey insofar as I, I grew up in Edinburgh, as would have been the case with a lot of people that were a Presbyterian um, 
a member of the Church of Scotland. Uh, living here in the islands is slightly different. There's um, that great word schism, um, mm-hmm. which has bedeviled the, uh, the Presbyterian churches, perhaps in particular over times, uh, has meant that there's a proliferation of churches up here. And it's not the Church of Scotland that predominates. It would be the, the Free Church and the, uh, perhaps the, the Free Presbyterian Church in times gone by. Um, and I am proud to be a member of the, of the Free Church of Scotland. I'm very much at home in the, in the, the Free Church. And the Free Church, is, I think, as an institution, has long been grounded in the communities up here. Actually, part of the, part of the struggle for reform, for Crofter's rights, that took place way back in the 1880s, and the, and the Free Church played an important part in that, as, as it did, actually, in terms of making sure that these areas were not as affected as other parts were, like Ireland, of course, from, from, from famine, from the from the potato blight that took place. So the Free Church is one that I'm very much involved with here, uh, very pleased to be so. In, in some respects, the church is about politics. It's about people, isn't it? Mm. Um, and I think a, a lot of the things I know that you and I would believe in, in terms of alleviating poverty and so on, and the, the, the role that, they, that the church plays. So there is, a, there is an interplay. Both my grandfathers were members of political parties. My granddad Campbell on my mother's side may well even have been a founder member of the SNP, but he was a very, certainly a very early member. And my, my granddad Blackford was a, was a member of the Labour Party. So again, politics was something that was, that was always around me. Mm. And um, perhaps, I don't know, as a teenager, a bit, a bit headstrong, um, that I, I joined the SNP at school as a, as a, as a teenager. So um, I've always been part of, part of that movement. And I think... Obviously, when you're when you're a Christian and you spend time with people who your brothers and sisters in Christ, there's no automatic um, expectation those people are going to share your political views. How how have you found getting along with people uh, who are fellow Christians in Parliament or in your constituency or back home uh, when you're in Edinburgh uh, who share a different worldview when it comes to the place of Scotland in the UK, the place of Scotland in Europe, or indeed other political opinions? How have you managed to balance that? I mean, I've been lucky because I don't think I've, I've, I've really suffered from that to, to a great extent. I mean, I mean, you and I all know that when you leave the Chamber of, of, of Parliament, you leave your, your differences behind. And I'm pleased to say that a lot of us do get on well, as, as so we should. I think people yeah. would expect us to do so. And I think it's, for me, it's the same in, in the church. I mean, you would never... Um, well, you, you, I suppose we take the view that when you're in church, you shouldn't be discussing politics. And of course, sometimes when you're waiting for the start of the, the, the service, that things can navigate in a certain direction. And I think my wife would probably be the first to then look at me loud and say, stop it. This is not, this is not the place for it. So there's a, there's a fellowship that comes with the whole thing. And one of the things I would say that's important is that I think those within our own community in the free church, but broader than that, place an awful lot of store uh, in, in praying for those of us that are in public life, those of us that are elected. And, and I personally find a, a strong comfort for that. And that that issue that you talked about earlier, that people perhaps seeing you as a local MP and seeing beyond the party label. So I'm kind of lucky that those kind of issues, these bigger political issues of, I don't know, whether it's Brexit or independence, whatever, has never led to any fracturing of relationships certainly within that, that that church community but maybe maybe i've just been lucky in the way that people people go about their business up here well i wonder i also think there's there may be something in and this is me being slightly idealistic about this but that people who are christians understand that however massive these issues are they are small in the hands of god 
Um, yeah. And, you know, they, the, every empire, you know, Brexit, Britain, the European Union, whatever, they're all temporary, aren't they? They all end up in rubble except for one. And I think that hopefully gives us a, a kind of sense that whatever our differences are, there is something that binds us together. Um, I just wanted to focus on one issue. Obviously, it's huge and it has been for the last 10 months, which is the COVID-19 crisis and how we consider this particular period of vaccine out there, vaccines out there being slowly but surely rolled out. But obviously, we're under significant restrictions at the moment. There are differences between how the UK um, government has has dealt with it and how the Scottish government has dealt with it. Tell us a little bit about how the restrictions affect you uh, in Sky and, and in the rest of Scotland, and contrast them to what you know about England. Yeah, well, it has been it has been a bit different. I think there's times that we probably have had stricter restrictions here in Scotland. Of course, the last year has been pretty different here because Sky is a very busy tourist island. Uh, so it's been it's been my goodness, it's been really different going around the place and not having people here and having right. <laughs> having the island back to yourself. So that's been slightly unusual. I, I think in terms of the church community very early, we embrace social media um, in all its forms. And um, that has its drawbacks. Of course it does. The fact that you've not got that fellowship and meeting together and so on. But equally at the same time, it's given access to people to participate in services in a way that maybe not have been that case in the past and has brought people back in. So slowly and surely, we, we started to come together again in, in a variety of different ways. So my own local church here in Wartonish uh, used to open up at, at 6.15, as it was, for, for a small number of people to gather together. There were other opportunities as well, and people really enjoyed that. Of course, there were restrictions on, on what you do, the fact that we haven't been able to sing the Psalms, something I have to say that I, I, mm. I particularly enjoy, uh, but we had to respect that. Uh, and over the course of the last few weeks, uh, we've gone back to the situation that we haven't been meeting. And interestingly, there was a letter that came from the, the moderator of the, the Free Church of Scotland, su- supporting that view, but supporting that view with reservations, if I can, if I can put it that way, mm. but recognising the importance of everybody going the extra mile in the short run until we get to the period where a substantial number of people have been vaccinated. Now, that's not a view that everyone shares, and I know that there has been a letter from church leaders which has gone to the Scottish government, uh, regretting the fact that, they, that we haven't got that opportunity to meet. I, I, you know, I kind of take the view that if we, if we have to err on the side of caution for now, and that's the way I would put it to you, then we should do that because it's about protecting other people. It's not about us. It's about protecting other people and the risks that are, that, that are there. There are still ways that we can participate in, in prayer meetings online, that we, can, that we can have services. And of course, people can pray in their own in the comfort mm-hmm. of their own homes and their own families and so on as well. I mean, I really, really do look forward to the time that we, that we can get together again, that we can have public worship in the way that we, that we all want to, and in particular that we can, that we can go back to the singing, singing of the Psalms, something I... Which is a, a major thing with your church. That's part of the feature of your uh, form of worship, isn't it? Well, well, it is. And, and, and in fact, I have on my desk, I have, uh, I know that the listeners won't see it, but you can see it. I, have, I can say it says sing psalms. Um, That's what they were. They are the hymn book of Israel, aren't they? <laughs> well, they are indeed. And I, I have to say I'm probably a bit of a traditionalist because I prefer the metrical psalms. I do prefer the the, uh, the original ones. And really? um, actually, I'll say to you, and, and, and you'll appreciate this, I mean, I, I never have a problem standing up in, in, in the commons and speaking. <laughs> it's what we do. But I, I still have a sense of apprehension when I stand up in front of the in front of the congregation and think yeah. about 
and you have that last minute change of mind about the tune that you're going to use. Yeah, yeah. For whatever sound that you're going to be singing. So that's uh, a bigger deal. Yeah. And I think just, just quickly, before we uh, begin to tie things up a little bit, I think you touch on a key issue, obviously for Christians, um, mm-hmm. obviously we're affected by the lockdown in every sense, but in particular the impact it has upon our worship life and our meeting together. And yeah. undoubtedly it would have been far, just imagine this pandemic had happened 20, 25 years ago before the advent of sort of broadband and, and all the kind of things we've been able to make use of in this last uh, year. Uh, so there's many blessings, but undoubtedly meeting together as a community, we are the body of Christ. And I think one thing that a number of church leaders have felt is that politicians have just treated, you know, Christians gathering together just like a bridge club or, you know, the Lib Dem or the SNP exec meeting or, you know, and, and we're bound to say, actually, if we are the body of Christ, we believe we are, that's more important. But I think, Ian, you also set out a really important point. If we are meant to love our neighbour, Let's be blunt about this. One way to love our neighbours is to not give them COVID and kill them. Uh, and so it is a really tricky thing. My sense generally is that the vaccine gives us the light at the end of the tunnel and the knowledge that we're not doing this forever. So just as a, as a, a wrap up, one of the things that might be nice to think about um, and to ask for your views on, obviously vac- the vaccine or the vaccines provide people with a sense of hope now. And yet for Christians... Hope is something which ought to be knitted into everything that we do and we think. I wonder whether this last 10 months and the months ahead may give many people who are not Christians at this moment an understanding that maybe the things they did put their hope in, you know, career, social life, all those things that have been so important to people, a sense that those things maybe aren't as sure as they thought they were and just maybe go looking for the one thing that is certain. Is that something that's occur to you at all, Ian? Yeah, very much so. And I think the way that we have been able to connect with people that have been lost from the church in one way or the other, or people that have never connected, that the opportunities to do that, we've got to make sure that we continue to embrace that. I think we would all take the view that outreach is really important. We always struggle with how you make outreach as effective as it as it mm-hmm. can be. And there's no question that I think that we've learned that, that social media has created opportunities for that, Tim. So we have to embrace it. Nothing can replace the physical fellowship of of coming together as a, as a congregation. And that point, I, actually, I had never thought about that if this had happened 20, 25 years ago, and I kind of shudder, really, at the challenges that that would have brought to us. I think there is another aspect, though, as well, and that is that, sadly, we've, we've, we've said goodbye to too many people over the course of the last year, and that whole process of grieving, mm-hmm. uh, not being able to come together, not being able to uh, have the, the, the graveside ceremonies that would be certainly so important up in these communities, I guess. Yeah. Uh, it fills me with horror, the, the pain yeah. that I've had to go through for that and that loved ones haven't been able to gather in the in the right way. And that, that phrase that you used, light at the end of the tunnel, I think is important. We, we should never over-promise um, and under-deliver, but mm. the, 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 there is hope that we can get to. It wouldn't be the same as the past, but it will be a, a new normal, whatever that is. But that ability for us to, to come together to, to praise the Lord and to, to meet and so on is important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in the end, you know, people often ask, um, I know we've talked about this before, Ian, that you know, what, what's the job of a Christian in, in politics? I think we agree, some might not us, agree with us, but we agree, I think that the job of a Christian is not to get into parliament and then legislate to make people who are not Christians behave as though they were. But I do think in this age of social media that it is to act out grace, 
and and to show a kindness um, and respect for people who may be being not all that respectful to us. Um, yeah. And indeed, you know, whenever you're uh, the 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 sharp end of some abuse, it is in many ways something to thank God for because it's an opportunity to, you know, build your capacity for grace. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. Ian, it's been an absolute delight having you um, and uh, and to, to be imagining the wonderful surroundings that you are in, which I look forward to uh, being in myself at some point in the not too distant future. Thanks very much and have a great day. Well, thanks very much and every best wish for the, for the show and God bless all your listeners. A Mucky Business with Tim Farron. Okay, it's, it's time for mucky questions. That wasn't my idea. This is your chance to ask me something about the mucky business of being a Christian in politics. It could be ethical, political, or personal, or something completely random. This week, Harriet from Buckinghamshire has been in touch, and, and thank you, Harriet. To what extent do you feel your Christian faith impacts upon your political views? And have you ever felt conflicted when having to vote along with your party? That's a great question, Harriet. I think let's first of all say something that I did mention when Ian and I were talking earlier on, that I I don't think as a Christian it is my job to legislate to make people who are not Christians live as though they were. So I'll sometimes vote maybe in a permissive way on something that I don't necessarily approve of or agree with, but think people should be allowed to make their own choices how they live their lives. But having said that, of course, my faith in Christ totally influences my politics in terms of the way I treat other people and seeking to uh, serve others where at all possible and to not serve myself. I think it's also important you ask the question about whether I've ever voted in a way or felt conflicted by the party's line on anything. I think any Christian politician in any party who says that's never happened is probably not being fully truthful with you. I guess one of the most obvious ones for me Um, was back during the time the Liberal Democrats were in coalition. I fully understand all the reasons why, because of compromise and all the constraints we were under, that despite having promised that we would abolish tuition fees, the government was proposing to treble them. I just felt that part of my witness to my constituents and indeed to the wider world was to be somebody who, when makes a promise, keeps it and doesn't break it. And more than anything else, more even than my concern for the impact of that policy in a practical sense, I rebelled and voted against the whip because I thought, look, you should keep your promise, particularly if you, as a Christian, say that telling the truth is so important. If you'd like to ask me a question, tweet at Premier Radio and use the hashtag muckyquestions or email studio at premier.org.uk and make the subject of your email Mucky questions. A mucky business with Tim Farron. Now, when someone tells you that a loved one is poorly, then you want to know their name and you want to know what's wrong with them so you can pray for them in an informed way. And I'd love us to pray about our leaders and about our politics in an informed way. So I would love it if you now join me in prayer, but also be wonderful if in your own time uh, you would commit these things to prayer yourselves. Well, loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that nothing happens on this planet without you knowing, uh, without you caring, and without it being part of your perfect 
purposes. We lift up to you, Ian Blackford. We thank you that he is a Christian leading his party in Westminster. We pray that you give him wisdom as he uh, balances the responsibilities of family, a huge, huge constituency, and being the leader of his party in, in Westminster. Give him wisdom, give him guidance, give him clarity, give him peace, give him confidence that he is safe and secure in you, whatever happens in the political road ahead for him. Father, we also pray for those in the United States of America, for peace and stability within the communities of America, and also especially for the government of America. We pray that those who would leave office in the coming days would do so with grace and humility, and those who take office would do so with magnanimity, grace and humility. We pray for a hearing for the gospel um, on both sides of the political divide in America and that your uh, glory would um, be at the forefront of all Christian leaders in America and that they would put their politics to one side. And we pray for our country. We pray for wisdom, for right decisions uh, to be made by our Prime Minister Boris Johnson and by his scientific and medical advisors and indeed by members of Parliament of all parties, that we will be kept safe, that decisions that are made would be wise, uh, would protect people from hardship and protect people from the disease. And may this uh, virus vaccine be rolled out swiftly and effectively. And I pray that for the whole of our country, including those who yet do not trust in you, Lord Jesus, that they would see that there is a hope on offer to them far greater and permanent than uh, the uh, hope that is offered via the vaccine. May we turn to that hope in the Lord Jesus Christ and do so as a country. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, look, thank you very much for spending time with me this week. Next week, I'm going to be chatting to the Labour MP, Rachel Maskell, who serves the city of York about her faith and career in politics. I'll be on the same time next week on Premier Christian Radio, 5pm on Tuesday and repeated on Fridays at 2.30pm. To listen to this show as a podcast, go to premierchristianradio.com forward slash a mucky business or search a mucky business wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tim Farron. It's been an absolute delight to have you with me. Thanks for listening.